Hello, this is Fight Back, a podcast by the Healthcare Consumer Rights Foundation. I'm Steve Poisner, founder and executive director. Our nonprofit's mission is to help you navigate the complex healthcare system and to understand your legal rights, options, and opportunities when you encounter problems and obstacles. We want to empower you with the information you need to fight back and get the best possible care. Today, we're going to take a closer look at the idea of food as medicine. There are many reasons why you should pay close attention to what we eat. Highly processed foods many of us consume regularly may be convenient and tasty, but they do compromise our health. We especially need to pay attention to what we eat when we are sick so that we can give our bodies the nutrients it needs to heal. And if you want to be even more deliberate in improving your health, perhaps to address a chronic disease or condition, a holistic approach can yield great benefits. Today, we will hear from Jamie about some of the practical implications of food as medicine, including how to access healthy foods. Then we will hear and talk with Michelle Liu, Chief Executive Officer of the Health Trust, an organization designed to help community members gain access to healthy, nutritious food, regardless of your income status. Let's get started. Hi, my name is Jamie. Lately, there have been many reports regarding our food, nutrition, and the impacts it has on our health. I've heard stories, like Russell's story in California, who is a recipient of Meals on Wheels. This program has helped him have nutritious food that he wouldn't otherwise be able to purchase or even fix himself. Meals on Wheels is a vital part of my life, says Russell. I would not be able to survive without the food provided by Meals on Wheels. The drivers are important to me also. They chat with me and I visit with them. They keep me from being so lonely as I can't get out much. We've also heard about programs like the Shop With Your Doc program offered by St. Joseph Hogue Health, where you can go grocery shopping with a physician to help improve your food health. We are also seeing reports about how a healthy diet can improve and prevent some chronic illnesses, as well as support the body's immune system when it's fighting infections and viruses. In times of crisis, whether it's personal or otherwise, access to programs that can support healthy food choice is critical. Welcome to the podcast, Michelle. Thank you, Steve. Great to be here. Michelle, um, as you know, research indicates that about one in three patients that are in hospitals today in the United States have some type of malnutrition. And one in five deaths across the globe have something to do with people having suboptimal diet, which is kind of stunning. Uh, you're uh, the CEO of Health Trust, uh, a not-for-profit where part of your mission is focusing in on this malnutrition problem. Tell us your views about the seriousness of, of this issue here in California and in other parts of this country and what the Health Trust is trying to do to address it. You bet, Steve. So as you mentioned, the Health Trust is a nonprofit organization. We are focused on building health equity in Silicon Valley. And what that means to us is to make sure that everyone in our community, regardless of their zip code, their race, their gender, their immigration status, we want everyone in our community to have an opportunity to be as healthy as possible. For the last couple of decades, we have been providing Meals on Wheels, which is exactly what it sounds like. We deliver meals to homebound, medically vulnerable residents 
in order to support their health and well-being. And so we come to this work with decades of firsthand experience with medically vulnerable residents. And we have seen firsthand how important it is to get people healthy food. So I was reading about your Meals on Wheels program. It's more than just a meal, right? Uh, you also provide you know, other assistance once you're there delivering the meal, yes? Exactly. So in Meals on Wheels, the meal is certainly important, but we like to say Meals on Wheels is more than just a meal. I wanted to share a specific example of a client that we're currently serving. His name is Richard, and he lives in an apartment complex that has not allowed any visitors in since the pandemic began and shelter-in-place requirements went into effect. Richard does have a government caseworker who um, has regularly been checking in on him and providing help. But right now, Richard doesn't have a phone, visitors are not allowed, and so his caseworker has difficulty reaching him. Fortunately, Steve, our Meals on Wheels driver, is the one regular person who Richard sees. And so when she delivers his meals, she can check on Richard, make sure that nothing is out of the ordinary, and she is now connecting back to Richard's caseworker to keep him informed about Richard's health and well-being. If it weren't for Meals on Wheels and those critically important Meals on Wheels drivers, Richard would not have any food and his caseworker wouldn't know how he was doing. So we really see Meals on Wheels as a lifeline. Well, that's terrific, Michelle. If, if one of our listeners has a need for this or has a family member or a friend who could really benefit from Meals on Wheels, how does someone reach out to get connected? Great question, Steve. We really encourage individuals who might be homebound and not able to prepare meals for themselves to call 211 or visit the 211 website, which is just 211ca.org. Either the individual can call or their loved one or their caregiver can call and find out about resources to make sure that people don't go hungry. In addition to Meals on Wheels, there's a number of other food programs available for folks. So maybe some people just need groceries and they are able to prepare their own meals. 211 can help people get connected to the appropriate food services for their needs. Got it. You know, of course, we're in the middle of this pandemic. Uh, to what extent has demand for services like Meals on Wheels gone up during COVID-19? Oh, gosh, Steve. I think back to the middle of March here in Silicon Valley when the shelter-in-place orders first took effect, and it was mayhem for us running Meals on Wheels. At the same time, the demand was skyrocketing. Uh, many of our volunteer Meals on Wheels drivers are older adults, they're retirees, and they had to shelter in place themselves. I laugh with my husband, things got so bad that one day they had me delivering a route, which is really not in anybody's best interest, but right. um, we did what we had to do. We've been delivering more than 500% of what we were doing in February because the need is there. Uh, and we hear similar statistics from our other nonprofit meal providers. Uh, Second Harvest, our local food bank, is also seeing dramatic need. Wow, 500% increase. Uh, amazing. So uh, I, I take it you need more volunteers too. 
We are uh, putting out a call for volunteers. We have hired additional staff at a time when many companies, unfortunately, are having to lay off workers or even close completely. Uh, for better or worse, Meals on Wheels programs and similar nonprofit food programs are expanding. Uh, and we don't see food insecurity going away anytime soon. Well, let's talk about some of the articles that you and your colleagues have written about how food is really like medicine. Food is medicine. What, what does that term mean exactly? Great question, Steve. So through our years of providing Meals on Wheels, we also provide groceries for people living with HIV AIDS. We have seen firsthand how powerful and cost-effective it is to improve health through food. And um, where we're headed now is expansion of what's called medically tailored meals. These are meals delivered to individuals living with chronic diseases, living with illness, and they're meals that are um, provided through a referral from someone's medical professional or their healthcare plan. Medically tailored meals are tailored to the medical needs of the recipient by a registered dietitian. And so they're designed to improve health outcomes, lower the cost of medical care, and also improve client or patient satisfaction. In a nutshell, medically tailored meals mean healthy food, improved health, and lower healthcare costs. You know, Steve, that 86% of healthcare spending is for those with chronic health conditions. And 92% of older adults have at least one chronic condition. We see medically tailored meals as not a cure-all, but really a, an important cost-effective intervention for people to improve their health through food. I got that. So uh, is this really about well-balanced diets or staying away from sugar or salt if you have certain medical conditions? Or is part of this also that if you have a certain type of disease, then there's certain types of food that helps to attack that disease? Is it all of the above or more about just well-balanced meals? We would say it's about all of the above, Steve. Uh, sometimes we hear, oh, medically tailored meals, that's just a, a fancy lingo for putting people on a diet. Not the case. What we see in our aging population is that people have really complex health conditions and working with a registered dietitian on your individual health needs is really important. Um, we are starting to see some really exciting outcomes as a result of medically tailored meal pilots. We've seen a 32% decline in overall healthcare costs among patients who've been receiving medically tailored meals for the last six months. We've seen a whopping 63% reduction in hospitalizations when complete medical nutrition was provided for just six months. And we're also seeing improvements in prescription drug adherence for people who are enjoying medically tailored meals as part of their healthcare. I assume that everything that you are working on here is evidence-based, right? So this is based on sort of scientific studies that, that quantify the benefits? Exactly. The Health Trust is really excited to be one of a number of nonprofit organizations 
participating in a statewide pilot around medically tailored meals. We have an outside evaluator who is looking at patients' health outcomes. We want to make sure that what we're doing truly is evidence-based and effective, and we're building on years of research that has been happening across the country. Well, I have to ask you this question, Michelle. Uh, you know, I, I love chocolate. I hate broccoli. So I assume some of this food is medicine. Some of it tastes good, too, I hope. <laughs> that is our goal. It's, um, it's really important to make sure the food is tasty so that people eat it. Uh, it doesn't do any of us any good if we're delivering meals that end up in the trash. So we work closely with our chefs and caterers in partnership with the dietitian to make sure that the food is both healthy and tasty. And we don't totally rule out chocolate, Steve. There, there's always a little room for moderation. Uh, very good. Nice. Um, so if there's scientific evidence that this impacts people's physical health and well-being, then I hope the insurance companies are open-minded about covering some of these costs if it's being prescribed by a doctor or a nutritionist. Is that the case? We are seeing growing interest from health insurance programs around supporting medically tailored meals and Meals on Wheels. If there's any silver lining to the pandemic, we would say that there is renewed interest in recognizing um, that food can be medicine. And so we're really excited. There's some pilots happening with Kaiser. There's another pilot happening with Anthem. And one day we would love to see our government health plans, Medicare and Medi-Cal, uh, provide reimbursement for Meals on Wheels and medically tailored meals. Right. I suppose... Uh we're not just talking about physical well-being. Uh, I'm assuming, you know, a good quality, healthy food impacts your mental well-being as well. Uh, what's uh, what does the science say about that? Exactly, Steve. We take a holistic approach when we talk about health and wellness, and you fully felt it yourself. Sometimes when you eat food that's not necessarily healthy for you, uh, it does affect your mood. And so we're really excited to be making sure that people get tailored meals that are both healthy and make people feel good, um, both for their physical well-being and for their mental health. Right. Right. Very good. So I, I was reading um, about these food deserts, uh, you know, parts of the community where uh, it's just hard to get healthy, high-quality food. T tell us a little bit more about what a food desert is, and are there any, you know, in Santa Clara County here? Thanks, Steve. Yes, so we describe a food desert as a geographic area that has limited access to affordable and nutritious food. You know, here in Silicon Valley, we sometimes think we have everything, right, Steve? But we also know, at times, it's a tale of two Silicon Valleys. Let's look at Palo Alto, Redwood City, Menlo Park. In 2019, that community had four Safeways, two Trader Joe's, two Whole Foods, two grocery outlets, and a number of other smaller specialty and local grocery stores. But just a mile or two on the other side of Highway 101 here, the grocery stores become few and far between, 
which makes it harder for residents to access healthy food and consequently the impact on the area's health of residents is impacted. What we see is that food deserts tend to be inhabited by lower income residents who maybe don't have as much mobility as other communities. This makes it difficult for large supermarket chains to see that as a viable market for them. Um, unfortunately, again, in the pandemic, one of the things we're seeing is that there is health inequity and also racial inequity because these same communities that have food deserts are often inhabited by residents of color who don't have equitable access to a variety of healthy foods. One of the things that we're really excited about at the Health Trust where I work is that we are able to do a little bit of grant making to other community initiatives that support our interest in improving health through food. I wanted to just share one example. We are providing a grant to a local organization called SPUR, San Francisco Bay Area Planning and Urban Research Association. They are piloting something called Double Up Food Bucks. This is a pilot that provides matching funds for local families and individuals to participate in CalFresh, which is our food stamps program. Um, and so for every $10 that CalFresh clients spend on California fruits and vegetables, they get an ex extra $10 to spend on any produce in the store. So uh, it's like the name says, they're doubling up. For every $10 they spend, they get an extra $10 to spend on healthy foods. Well, uh, wow, excellent programs there. So, in, in, is, you know, we've been talking about here in the last few minutes, some of the challenges in lower income areas, but I'm, I'm assuming, you know, nutritional needs and eating good quality foods, that's impacting, you know, the whole country in a pretty significant way, right? With obesity and diabetes being some of the top chronic conditions that it really is causing the whole healthcare system, you know, to have to spend, you know, lots and lots of money. I assume that, you know, this whole issue of having a well-balanced diet is just one of the top priorities for the healthcare community just in general. So uh, what are some of your thoughts on just obesity and diabetes and, and how much of that is connected to the food that we eat? Obesity and diabetes, we know, are directly connected to the food that we eat. In addition, Steve, there's other chronic diseases like heart disease and hypertension that are also linked to what we eat. You know, we hear all these uh, cute terms like an apple a day keeps the doctor away, health is wealth, you are what you eat. While they're catchy slogans, um, there's a reason that they stick, and that's because they're true. Um, we would like food as medicine to be one of the slogans that we hear on the tips of people's tongues in the future. Um, we see the importance of food of course, for low-income communities, but for all of us, uh, regardless of our income level. And we are hoping to build a future where food and nutrition are fully integrated into our healthcare system, from initial patient screening, when we fill out our new patient application forms at the doctor's office, to making sure that our medical teams know that they can refer patients to appropriate food programs, 
And then, as you mentioned earlier, we, of course, would love to see robust reimbursement mechanisms from health insurance plans for things like medically tailored meals and Meals on Wheels. That's the future that we want to see. Right. Michelle, what's your view on supplements, the importance of taking supplements, you know, vitamins, probiotics, those kinds of things? I am not a registered dietitian or a nutritionist, but I feel like I can channel what our dietitian would say, which is um, always people should consult with their medical provider to make sure that they are getting the balanced nutrition that they need. But there is so much power in what you eat in terms of food that can support your well-being. Um, we really hope that people rely on healthy food um, as their first source of intake. Got it. Well, Michelle, uh, final question here. This has been fantastic information for our listeners. If, if anyone listening to this podcast uh, is struggling with a health issue or knows someone in their family or a friend that is struggling with a health issue that might be connected to not having a well-balanced diet, where should they go? Who should they call you know, what research can they do to begin to address, you know, these, these issues in, in their own lives and the lives of their friends and family? I'm so glad you asked that question, Steve. We really want to encourage everyone, if you or someone you know is struggling with getting access to healthy food, there are resources to call in your community. As I mentioned earlier, 211 or www.211ca.org is a great resource to find resources in your local community to provide access to healthy food. We also really encourage people to contact their elected officials. You can go to usa.gov, which is a government website, to look up government agencies and elected officials in your area, and they can help make sure that you get connected to community food resources. We see food insecurity is rising during the pandemic, and we also believe that no one should have to face the dual crises of illness and hunger. So we really encourage people to reach out. There are a number of different programs available, and hopefully there's one that will meet your needs. And folks should, should take action, right? Not sit back, go to one of these websites, make one of those phone calls, uh, because help is available out there. Um, yeah, any, any final thoughts? Exactly, Steve. And we also encourage people to talk to their medical team. When you go to see your doctor, if you're struggling with nutrition or with hunger, it's okay to chat with your medical doctor, your nurse, the front desk person. We want to encourage people to ask about Meals on Wheels or about getting groceries from their local food bank. There's no shame in that. Um, we are all in this together, especially now more than ever. And we want food insecurity to, to be something in our past. Thanks, Michelle. Great information. Really appreciate you being on the podcast today. Thanks for having me, Steve. I want to thank you for listening to today's Fight Back podcast. Our mission is to be a resource and provide you healthcare information in a refreshing and interesting format. I also want to thank Michelle for sharing her insights about how food really is medicine. For more information, go to our website, www.healthcareconsumerrights.org. While on our website, you can check out additional podcasts, 
or access more information and resources to help you navigate this complex healthcare system and get the care you deserve. We also welcome your input and stories that we can use on future podcasts. This is Steve Poisoner, and this is Fight Back, a podcast by the Healthcare Consumer Rights Foundation. Thanks for listening. I look forward to our next podcast. Talk with you soon.